0: Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message.
1: All right, so here we go. Uh, We're in this series, Keep It Simple Stupid. Um, Most of you in here, boy, we're really thin today, aren't we, a little bit? I guess we got some more people missing still. Summer's not quite over with. Plus, we just lost a third of our people going downstairs. So I feel like, wow, I'm gonna talk to two of you, right? Just to move together. Um, Keep It Simple Stupid. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. And if you've been here, again, this is a rehearsal for you, or just, to, just to, again, this is, okay, here we go. He's telling me again. If you haven't, men, uh, we're talking about the Ten Commandments. Or with the, in the Bible, as I told you last word, it does refer to the Ten Commandments as Ten Commandments. It does it twice in Scripture. But actually, in the Hebrew, it refers as the Ten Words. The Ten Words, and that's what it actually means. So I've given you a word for each one of the commandments to communicate the principle behind that commandment. Because we, I really don't believe the commandments God gave to us, uh, again, so that he could just keep us from having fun. Uh, they are principles, and each one of these words represent a principle that's going to enhance our relationship with him and with others. The first four commands have to do with our relationship with God, the second six have to do with our relationship with others. And how many of us would like to have our relationships enhanced with God and everybody else? Does that sound like a pretty good gig? Yeah. So, let's, let's, again, that's, that's why we're going to talk about keeping, keeping it simple, stupid. Because I think sometimes we do that with most of Scripture. We really make it a lot more difficult than it has to be. We make it a lot more religious than it has to be. And it's not supposed to be about religion. It's supposed to be about a relationship. Okay? And we call Christianity a religion, but it's really a relationship. No relationship, there's no reason to have Christianity because, I mean, we already had some others around that we could have picked from. But evidently, the Father had a better plan. Just to have a relationship with you. So this week, we're talking about the Eighth Command, and the name of this message is the Trust Principle. The Trust Principle. And this is based on Exodus 20, verse 15. Very, very simple you shall not steal. Now, before I go very far in this, uh, and I, just, I just want to caution you here. Probably most of you are sitting here thinking, I got that one down. I'm going to submit to you that you might be stealing in small ways that you don't realize you're stealing in. So before you write this one off, and I'll give you some examples of some things, and I guarantee there's going to be at least a couple of you sitting here go, I do that, and I hadn't thought about that. So we don't wanna just blow this out of the water, but we're gonna spend, matter of fact, actually, I'm gonna spend most of the time talking about this out of Ephesians chapter four. So we're gonna talk about it out of the New Testament because I wanna show you how this applies to Christians today in an area where we really struggle. But let me tell you something. There's really only one reason to steal, and it's simply because you don't trust God to provide for you. That's the only reason why you could possibly wanna do that. You just don't trust them. And in Ephesians chapter four, he's talking to believers. And in the Old Testament, he's talking to believers who came out of a corrupt society and they're going into another corrupt society. But I want you to watch how the correlation of this command and all these commandments, but in particular this one we're talking about today, actually correlates to our society today. That's what I want to bring out for you. Because if you're sitting here going, well, there's no application for me today, then you just go home sitting here going, well, that's great, for 2,000 years ago, but it doesn't mean anything to me here in Utica today. So this is what we're going to bring out of this. So here it is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 28. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay, now that's next week's topic that we're going to be talking about. You should not bear false witness. But here it is in the New Testament, that's what I'm trying to show you be angry and do not sin. Remember two weeks ago, we talked about how you shall not commit murder. And do you remember we talked about that there's actually a progression that you go through with the unmet expectations and unmet, unmet expectations actually lead to anger and anger leads to hate and hate leads to murder. Okay? So we talked about this path that you want. on. We talked about that before. Okay? Um, it says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, hey, don't let this, don't, whatever you're dealing with that, you, that you're upset with, uh, don't leave this unresolved. You need to deal with it. You need to deal with it. I can't tell you how many times, even in my own life, but certainly many more times, because I'm only one person, where I've talked to other people about the relationship they have with other people and they have unresolved issues because nobody wants to talk about the elephant in the room. Scripture is saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Because it's just like a, a sliver. It's going to fester. And it's going to end up causing some pain and some infection in your life if you do this. So he's saying, don't let it go down. Nor give place to the devil. Again, last week we talked about adultery. Okay, we talked about adultery. He's saying, don't give place to the enemy in your life. And that's what happens with adultery. Now this week we're talking about stealing. So, in this verse, he's talking specifically to believers, and this is what you need to understand. So pay attention to realize, hey, he's talking to me here. He's, he, he, when Paul writes this, okay, he's, he's talking to the Ephesians, the Ephesians, he's talking to believers. This is not a reference to the Hebrews just coming out of slavery, okay? So let him, he's telling, so I'm, I'd be like me saying this to you, let him, Let what, those of you who stole, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So let him who stole, stole, steal no longer. That's my college education coming out right there. Let him stole no longer. Yeah. So here's point number one. All right. I'm going to keep this real simple. Stop stealing. Stop stealing. Now again, you're probably sitting there thinking, but I don't steal. Okay. Let's talk about that a little bit. If you're gonna develop this principle of trust in your life and trust God to provide everything you need, you have to stop stealing in the little ways. And the little ways is what I'm gonna spend some time on. Sometimes we steal and we excuse it because, well, it's just a little thing. It's not much. Nobody's gonna notice. Nobody's really at a loss. Um, I know people, when I was working in the insurance industry, one of the things that we talked about all the time is insurance fraud. The reason why insurance fraud is such a problem in this country, and I've heard Christians talk about this, is people think that it's a victimless crime. They think, well, I'm stealing from the insurance company, but they're not a victim because they're always making money. They're they're, they're profits. They have profits. It's still stealing. And that's the problem with insurance fraud because people in their mind just think, well, there's no victim, but there is a victim. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you how that works. I'm not trying to shell, sell insurance here, but when I was in California, the big insurance fraud thing that I focused on investigating were owner give-ups of their vehicle. In other words, people reporting your car is stolen, taking them out and having them burned because they're trying to get out from under the payments. Okay. Now you might think, well, the insurance company is losing the money, but they make money. So they're really not losing. So there's no victim in it. But here's the problem that people don't realize in the state of California, the average driver. So if you have three drivers in your house, your insurance premiums are about $200 a a year more per driver to cover the cost of insurance frauds. Don't tell me there's not a victimless. See what I'm saying? See, we try to excuse it away that's just an example of how people think. But I'm trying to tell you, people in the church do the same thing in smaller areas. But stealing is a bold statement. It's a bold statement to God that you don't trust him to provide for you. That's the only reason why you would do this. So Exodus 16, verses 16 through 18 say this. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer that's about, that's equal to about 2 liters okay one omer for each person according to the number of persons let every man take for those who are in his tent then the children of israel did so and gathered some more, some less. In other words, they, you know, if you had five people in your family, you, gave, you, get, you gathered for five. If you had two people, two people. So some people obviously got more because of the amount of people. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who had little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's needs. So God provided exactly for everyone. So if you took more than what was your fair share, you were taking from somebody else. And put it this way, you were stealing. Do you see that? Because you provided enough, according to the home. So if you took more than your share, somebody else wasn't gonna get what they needed. So we we see it right there. Okay, so let me talk to you about something here. Uh, In the last probably, I don't know, probably it's been about 20 years now, we keep hearing this term and by the way, this is not political. I'm not trying to get political here. Now, I know people are going to make a political connotation with it. We're not talking about politics. I'm showing you and I'm talking about what's in Scripture, which was written long before the United States became a country. But you, we've all heard this talk about redistribution of wealth. This redistribution of wealth. But we need to understand there's a difference between making more and taking more. There's nothing wrong with making more. There is something wrong with taking more. I would encourage you, find some books out there that actually talk about what the Bible has to say about a free economy. It's actually biblical. As a matter of fact, most of the successful companies in this country use biblical principles to succeed, but they don't even know they're using them. But you're gonna find them in scripture. The problem is not the making, it's the taking. There's a difference between making and taking. Business owners and entrepreneurs are not the problem. They provide for and they give more to those who don't have. It's not a problem to make, it's a problem to take. Taking, that's stealing, that's stealing. So it says that God then provided more for them on the sixth day. He gave them enough to to cover, but some still went out on the the seventh day and still gathered more, even though they were told to get it on the sixth. They went out on the seventh to get more because they still weren't satisfied. And why weren't they satisfied? Because they didn't trust that God was really gonna provide for them. They were still afraid that it wasn't gonna be enough. It was gonna run out. Uh, You've probably heard the saying before, ask a millionaire how much money is enough and he'll always tell you $1 more. Okay, it's, it, it's, it's that sort of attitude. But let me show you something here in Exodus, again, 16, verse 20. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commands and my laws? Okay, again, this is because they were going out on the seventh day to gather more when he provided twice as much on the sixth, said don't do this on the seventh, because it's part of the Sabbath, and they're violating. He's saying, how long are you not going to get this? What part of this do you not get? Okay, he's got going. Get this. That word "keep" in that verse right there, by the way, actually is "shamar." It means a guard or a trustworthy keeper. Okay, it means to guard. So you're going to guard this commandment, and you're going to be a trustworthy keeper of it. So how long? Basically, he's saying, "Listen, how long are you going to refuse to trust me?" How long are you, he'd been with them for how long and brought them out of Egypt already and and you still don't trust me. I've only told you I'm gonna do this. I've been showing you I'm gonna do it and even in the middle of the showing, you still don't trust. And that's what he's asking him here. He said, I'm trying to get you to learn you can trust me as a provider. You, You gotta get this principle of trust. And if you take what doesn't belong to you, it's stealing. Again, they're coming out of a corrupt culture. They're going into another one. So this attitude is, was always being pumped into them. It's gonna to continue to be pumped into them. He's telling them, I'm trying to give you a principle that if you'll do this, your life together and your life with me is gonna be much more productive. So that's why this message, the word on this command, the word is trust trust so remember he's he's writing these people in Ephesus okay and again Ephesus it was also a very corrupt society listen do we live in a corrupt society today oh yes Skippy we do yeah you bet we do Mm-hmm. And there are many ways Christians still steal today. We think that if it's, again, it's something small, it's not stealing, but it is. But we've all been tempted to take something that doesn't belong to us. And I think probably most of us at some point have all stolen something, but we didn't think about it as stealing. And I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna give you some examples. Here's the first one. Have you ever charged a meal, especially if you're, uh, well, like when I worked in the insurance industry, I tra- did a lot of traveling. And and they did allow me to charge meals. But have you ever charged a meal to a business that really wasn't a business expense? Do you know of anybody who's ever done that? I know I can charge, I shouldn't by policy, but I can because they're not gonna know it. But I'm traveling for them, so they should be paying for it. Even though you're out of bounds of the company policy. And, and and here's another thing that happens I've seen you talk about. Well, see, one of the things if you don't know about this, that you get to write off business expenses as a business person is if you go out for a meal with somebody and you talk about the business, it's considered business related, and you can write that off. I know matter of fact I I I I I'm not gonna name them. I know of two business people that do that all the time. Hey, how's your business doing? Oh mine's going great, how's yours? Mine's going good too. We talk about business, now let's go we, we can write it off. That's that's totally not what, the, what, what we're allowed to, to write that off. For. Listen, and, and again, as a matter of fact, one of the same people that said that, talking to him about his taxes, he's always finding the, the the little way to get around and and not pay a tax. And he's a believer, he's a believer, but he's finding a way to cheat the government out of money, and his excuses. But the government steals. Adolf Hitler murdered people. At what point do we stop behaving and excusing ourselves while somebody else is doing it? Wait, let me ask you, do, do you think any of us would say that in front of the father? Well, but he's doing it. I would see the father sitting and going, what did I ask you to do? What, what, what did I say to you? Focus. You with me? All right. Uh, have let me, okay, let me. Let me bring it down to a little bit closer to home. Have you ever taken a longer lunch than you were allowed? Or maybe you're consistent at coming into work five, ten minutes late, but you do it because the boss has never said anything. You're stealing. You're being paid to be there at this time until this time. See we, see, we don't think about that stuff as stealing, do we? We just think, oh, it's a matter of fact, you know what we'll do sometimes? Oh, it's a benefit that I have. <laughs> I have, you know what it is? It's the benefit that I don't get to go to jail. But it's stealing. It's stealing. All right. uh, let me ask you something. Again, kind of just go back to the employer thing. Have you ever ordered something that the company was paying for that you would not have ordered if you were paying for it. Somebody else's dime. Somebody else's dime. Again, business people, I'm telling you, I've worked in the business world, this happens all the time. All the, when, when I was doing insurance fraud investigation, And traveling all the time. We figured out one time I was traveling, what, almost 30% of the time, 30 30 months out of the year I was on the road. I had lots of opportunity to do this. There There were a number of times when I did buy stuff. I was like, I wouldn't pay for that myself. Now, the employer I had, I had learned from everybody else, including the boss, that that was okay, they just didn't care. Well, they didn't care until they found out. Then all of a sudden it was like, okay, you get $15 for breakfast, you get $20 for lunch, and you get $30 for dinner, period. So no going to Papa Doe's Steak and Seafood House in Dallas, Texas, and getting the $45 black catfish and dirty rice. (laughs) No, you're back to Burger King. Um, Have you ever... Paid for or asked to be paid in cash, okay, business owners, so that you could hide it from the government. I know there's a lot of that that goes on. We call it paying under the table. Again, you need to hear this. You might think it's okay. I'm telling you, because I care about you, your king says, It's not because you think you're your provider and not me. And I'm trying to get this principle of trust in you so that you'll know no matter what your circumstances are, I'll provide. I might not provide what you want, when you want it, the way you think you need it, but I'm gonna give you what you need when you need it. See, there's many ways that we do this. Uh, Listen, not paying your debts, that's stealing. You run up credit cards, you run up expenses and walk away from that, that's stealing. I don't care if there's bankruptcy laws or not. I don't care if the courts say that. Again, the Lord is sitting there, you're stealing. Bankruptcy courts, by the way, are not something that the Lord set up. He did set up a provision for every seven years for for debt to be forgiven and wiped out. I would love that system. How would you like that in the United States every seven years, including your mortgage is paid off? (laughs) Good gig. (laughs) I'll take that all day long. Bankruptcy court is not in his provision, okay? Uh, Not working the agreed number of hours for pay is stealing. That's stealing. Uh, Here's one, all right, not paying tithe to the church is stealing spiritual food from people who need it. Ah, oh, there's a pastor talking about tithe again. The Lord says there's only two things you can do with the tithe you can't give it, it's not yours to give, it's His, so you can return it, or you can steal it. Those are the only two things you're ever going to find in the Bible that you can do with the tithe. That's it. No more, no less. John 10.10 says this. And by the way, before I read this, remember who the Bible says is a thief? Who's the master thief according to the Bible? John 10.10. The thief does not come except to, and what's the first thing he does? Steals. And to kill and to destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. Okay. Now I've had times I've gone to pick things up, right, things that I intended to buy, all right, and maybe the clerk didn't realize. Matter of fact, I think there's one time I remember I actually got up to my car, counted my money, and realized they gave me ten dollars too much. And just for a moment, just for a moment, I thought, "Oh, the Lord bless me." <laughs> Have any of you? Don't raise your hands. Well, no, feel free to raise your hands. Uh, we're all being real. Have any of you ever had that thought when you realized you had too much? Just for a second. Oh, what a blessing. It's kind of funny because um, I was actually working on finishing up this point, and my message I think is on Tuesday and um, I went through the McDonald's drive-through for breakfast because the other place I wanted to go was closed on Tuesdays. And I got a, a, a breakfast meal and I asked uh, for the drink to be an, a, a sugar-free iced tea. As soon as I pulled up the window, first thing he did is the guy handed me sugar-free iced tea. I put it down there and I waited for a couple minutes, got the meal, set it down. I look over and the woman's handing me a sugar-free iced tea again. And just, I looked at it for a second and I was like, oh, a second one. And I looked at it and I said, he already gave it to me. She was, oh, okay, thank you, she pulled it in. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that would sit there and say, oh, I got a second one. They're just gonna, yeah, and by the way, they will, we all know. They can't give it to somebody else, they're just gonna pour it right down the drain at that point. Well, I don't want it to go to waste. Now, if I had done that and she said, well, we can't use it now, you might as well take it, you're golden, all right? If, if they're offering it to you, it's, it's one thing. But to use deception to think that the Lord is blessing you, all right, listen, listen, the Lord doesn't steal from other people either, okay? So he's not gonna steal from somebody to bless you, okay? All right, here's point number two. Yes, you guys are getting quiet. All right, here's point number two. Start working. Let me say it another way. Get a stinking job. Get a job. Now, this, this point here, I was thinking about this because the first time I gave this message, I think COVID was just starting And we didn't know the effects of COVID yet. But as I was doing this point the other day, I was like, whoa, is this one pertinent for today because of all the people that won't go out and get a job. I can't tell you how many employers that can't find people to work because they're getting more stealing from the welfare system or from government handouts or from nonprofits that are constantly giving handouts because they don't wanna get their skinny little rear ends out and get a job. They're stealing. Get a job. Go to work. Now, I'll qualify that. If you're one of those people that you physically can't do something, okay. I get that. But you know what I found more often or not? Somebody will have a, phys- a physical abnormality where they can't do the job they were doing, but they could do 99 other jobs, but they won't do those either because, well, I can still get paid. And I've heard people sit there and say, I can make more money staying at home than I can working that job. Don't pay me this. Uh, there was an article I was reading the other day about employers, about the amount of people now that are telling employers what they'll work for. In other words, they're going and telling them, I want to come to work for you, but I don't want that $17 an hour. You're going to pay me $23 an hour. Now, again, I know that there's some employers that probably are sitting there going, You probably should be getting paid $23 an hour for the work and the experience and time that you have. But that's not usually the case. It's what's happening. What's usually happening are people are th- sitting here thinking, I don't want to start at the bottom. I want to start at the top because I want to be the boss. And I'm going to tell you how much I want to make. I'm going to tell you how many hours I'm going to work. And by the way, you are going to buy that little extra thing for me at lunchtime. You don't know that yet. And I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to bless you with that ability to do that. We become constant takers and not makers. So get a job. Ephesians 4.28, or start working. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him Labor. I have them bolded and underlined. Working, because we're going to talk about it, with his hands and, and his, this applies to you too, ladies, okay? Uh, hands, what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. All right, so some pe- most people, maybe, maybe obviously they say, but I have a job. Let me ask you something. Are you working hard or are you hardly working? Because this word labor, because I know a lot of people that have jobs that hardly work. They're going but they ain't working hard. Uh, Julie and I, yes, uh, on Friday, we took our Sabbath. And uh, we, we wound up taking a long trip around. We stopped through a Glimmerglass State Park um, north, north of Cooper, Ta- Cooperstown. But she wanted to walk out onto the beach and kind of look at the lake. And so we went ahead and did that. But, you know, it's still open for the season. Well, when there's people swimming, there's lifeguards out there. No lifeguards. So as we turned around and walked away, they were all in the lifeguard hut sitting there with their feet up on the desk talking. Now listen, there was nobody swimming. There was nothing for them to do, but they were hardly working. I mean, in fact, I told Julie, that's a pretty good gig. Yeah, pay me, yeah, to do nothing. I mean, who, who doesn't want to do that? What, one of my first jobs that I had as a, as, as a high school person Place a place, a matter of fact, uh, mechanics here and recognize the name of the store, uh, National Auto. That was actually the first job I had was milking cows on a dairy farm. You talk about working hard but my first retail job was a place called National Auto. Well, we had sometimes it was just flat out quiet. And, 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 and I don't know how I had this because I've got my, I had my lazy streaks. But I remember one of my managers, or my manager, the manager I had, his name was Frank, uh, complimented me, I overheard him complimenting me one time uh, because I had gone to this one aisle where they had cans of oil and one of the cans had busted open. You could tell there was oil down. So I pulled all the cans off and I completely cleaned the shelf. I heard Frank brag about me to another manager said, I never had to tell him to do that. He's always doing that sort of stuff. I just saw a need and I did it. All right, listen, uh, so that was a good story. I'm telling you, I had other times, I was that, <laughs> I would have fired me, okay? Uh, so, <laughs> all right, so I, I'm not sitting here, I'm sprouting wings over this issue, all right? Um, it's, we, we, we all have those times, okay? But this, this idea of working hard, by the way, this is the balance to the other commandment, the fourth commandment about the principle of rest. There's a, there's a commandment that talks about rest. This is the balance to it. You know why you need to rest according to the Bible? Because you worked hard. You've worked hard. That word layer, uh, labor, here's what it means to grow weary, tired, and exhausted. The Lord wants you to work until you grow tired, weary, and exhausted. And then on the Sabbath, you rest. That's why it's the balance. How many of you have ever said, I can't wait to go to work and get tired, weary, and exhausted? Sign me (laughs) up. Look at all the hands going up. Yep, that's me. That's me. I want to do that. That's me. Okay. All right. You need to rest because you've been working hard. And again, many people just don't simply want to work hard. All right. But they want the wealth distributed by the government. Okay. To take care of them. God's plan is each person should work that's able to work hard and enjoy the fruit of your labor. God told Adam and Eve to work the garden before the fall. To labor. Get tired doing this. Get tired of doing it. Genesis 2.15, this is the English Standard Version. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work. Work it and keep it. Work it. I remember the first day... Well, I'll change, it. I'll change my story here a little bit here so I don't throw anybody under the bus. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to, it's usually younger people, that have worked for the first time. They got the job, they come in and tell their parents, or I've heard they've told me or they've told other people, they're just shocked at how hard it was. I had to work. And I'm like, yep, and every day they're gonna expect you to work at work. <laughs> and if you don't work at work, it's stealing. You're supposed to work at work because it's work. But there's this shock that's like, <gasps> well, I was expecting that. Okay. But there's also a reward for hard work. There really is. There's a satisfaction that only comes from working hard I think, um, you know, when you, when you can actually visibly see, as, as a pastor, I think I work hard. I usually can't visually see because most of what I'm dealing with is, is people's, what's going on internally. And I, I can't see that until it manifests and people are usually pretty good at going underground and hiding things. You know, other people, as they get healing, they're like, ah, you know, and they're like, oh, good, yeah. yeah we're all celebrating that, right? It's called a testimony, Right. But sometimes when we have, for example, contractors, Isaac Ames not here right now, but I guarantee you, I could probably talk to him and ask him, have you ever built a building? Have you ever completed the remodel of a room? Or maybe some of you have, maybe you painted a room, you've decorated it and you stood in the doorway and when you were done and you looked at it and you're like, that looks good. You're satisfied. I got the new countertops I wanted. That looks, that looks better than I expected. I've I've worked a lot of times this usually happens for me most often when I've done some hard yard work when we had to uh, basically change the landscaping put some new flowers in in April just in time for Easter we've done that a couple times some new bushes built out in our house in Texas we put built a nice rock planter and everything we got done walked over to the sidewalk stood there and went that is good we all relate to that right we've had those times Maybe a pool that's giving us grief. And we got the chemical set in it. And we're like, this is good. We all have those times. Right? There's a satisfaction that comes from labor that you're not going to get if you don't over labor and you don't put the work into it. Okay, Ecclesiastes two ten says, "For my heart rejoiced in what all my what labor, labor, and this was my reward." Hey. How many of you thought about getting rewarded with joy? It's your reward from all my labor. Again, there's this natural principle in here that God put within us that builds us up and edifies us. And we don't think about work being like that. So I'm gonna show you this. You can go ahead and start queuing up the video. Don't start it until I tell you, but you can put it up on the screen. Uh, This is a funny video. I think you're gonna like it. All right, so get ready to kind of chuckle a little bit. I'm not picking on millennials or what's the next generation after millennials? Z or something like that, Gen Z. I'm not picking on them, okay? But I'm just, I, want, I think this is gonna help clear the air on some stuff. Go ahead. It, it wouldn't be so funny if there wasn't so much truth in it, you know? But it's, I'd enjoy that. For those of you who are gonna watch this message online later, at the bottom, we will put that... Um, Address, web address, you can pull up and look at yourself. You'll, you'll get to enjoy what everybody else here got to enjoy. All right, so listen. Um, now, again, I'm not trying to attack millennials, but I will say this. Uh, our generation produced this problem because the generation before us didn't do it. So if anything, I'm more concerned about what we've done than the millennials or Gen Z. This isn't their fault. This is our fault. This is your and my fault. We're the ones that need to change. All right. Ephesians four twenty eight says, I don't think I gave you this verse, teaches that there are only three ways to get wealth. Matter of fact, I didn't hold up the whole of the verses which I give it to you. Uh, you can either work for it, you can have it given to you, or you can steal it. It identifies three ways. You either work, have it given, or you steal it. It's the only way you're gonna get wealth. Many people want to have wealth given to them. Many people want to win the lottery. I, I, I can't tell you how many people, that, that's actually part of their financial plan. They can't pay their bills. Or their, but you know what? They can always seem to buy two things, lottery tickets and cigarettes. But they can't pay their rent. Can't pay their rent. We all know them. We all know them. Now right, listen, People who don't earn it, and here's the problem with the lottery, they won't increase it. If you don't earn it, you won't increase it. If you earn it, you can increase it. As a matter of fact, a number of years ago, New York State, and this is a long time ago I heard this, because New York State's had a lottery for many years, probably a good 15, 20 years ago I heard this at that time. Uh, matter of fact, I heard it because Texas was developing their, New York, their, their state lottery and they were looking to find out from, from New York and that was what the article was about, what Texas was learning from New York. New York had learned that in the previous 20 years, all of the lottery winners, only one had any of the money left. One out of hundreds. If you don't earn it, you're not gonna increase it. We've you know, we, we, One of the things that we, we've talked about, Julie and I, as parents, and, and my, my parents, I had to learn this as well, and I learned it practically from my own life, uh, but I learned it from watching others as well. But listen, when something of value is given to me, I don't have the appreciation for it as much as if I had to work for it. It's, it and it's kind of what the video is about. You don't build the anticipation for it. Uh, You give, as a teenager, you give me a nice new car. I'm gonna think it's just because I'm a nice kid. I'm a favorite son. But am I gonna value and take care of that car and understand that, hey, I have to steward this car because at some point the car is gonna be done with and somebody's not gonna be there to give me the next one. Okay, there's there's something that happens within us when we have to work for something. When we have to develop our ability to appreciate it from the hand of my own labor. Oh, this is what it took to get that. It wasn't because I had a rich daddy. The totally different personality that comes out of this, okay? So here's point number three. Get giving, get giving. Stop stealing, get a job, start giving. Start giving. See, here's the thing. It's hard to, when, when your heart is set a, a, to, to give, it's kind of hard to trip across into the stealing part of the things, because your heart's naturally wanting to give. Ephesians 4 28. Let him who steal or stole, it's twice, I'm having a hard time, a little dyslexic thing going. Okay. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. I said get giving because we get to give. We don't have to give. We get to give. We get to give. We don't have to give and we don't get, or we don't give so that we can get. Does that make sense? In other words, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give so that I'll get more. Wrong reason. I get to give. It's a blessing for me to give. And 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about tithe for just a second, but I want you to understand this has to do with my time. I get to give time to my wife. Not with the expectation I'm gonna get something in return. I know I'm going to because that's the nature of the relationship. I hope you heard that. Nature of the relationship. I get to give. And I know he's not gonna let me out give him. But I get to give. We get to give. Think about that. Start, start to say that to yourself throughout the week. I get to give. The Lord has given me something. I get to give this to somebody else. I get, I get, I get to be a river of blessing instead of a reservoir of blessing. There's a heart change here. Now, my opinion, the biggest theft that's going on in the church today is taking what belongs to God. And again, it could be of your time. I can tell you, most pastors can tell you, most people in their church don't ever serve. They come for a good show each week, but they don't serve. They're certainly not gonna give time to somebody who desperately just needs a friend, unless they can get something in return. I'm gonna call them because most likely they're gonna buy the coffee. But I get, to, I get to hear them out. I get to be their friend. There's sometimes a lot of hidden motives the things that, behind the things that we do. And when we steal, when we take, when we don't give, especially the tithe, back to God, what's his, that has got to be the biggest statement of disbelief in him. To not return to him what's his. That has got to be the strongest way you could ever tell God, I don't trust you. I don't trust that you're going to do what you say that you're going to do. I'm going to be my provider. I worked for this. So powerful, so powerful. I don't trust you that you're gonna do what you said. Joshua 6, 19 says this, but all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated. That word means set apart. They're holy, they're consecrated. By the way, that's a reference to the tithe. That's a reference to the tithe. To the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. What it's saying is that is the tithe and it needs to go to the church. It's supposed to, it has to. That's what that's saying. The Lord does not mince any words here. Joshua 7, 11, Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I made with them, for they have taken some of the accursed. In other words, you know what the accursed is? It's the tithe that didn't go to the church, that didn't go to the treasury is now accursed. It not only didn't go to the church, God is saying, now I've cursed it. Guess where they put it? They've taken these things, they both stolen and deceived. Okay, you have, by the way, to steal, you have to deceive. I'll talk about that in a second. And they've also put it amongst their own 401K. That's what that's saying. I'm reading scripture to you, I didn't write this. God said this. He's talking about their attitude it's consecrated for God's house unless you steal it and then it's cursed. And here's the thing, it's not just the 10% that's cursed. You curse everything else you have. It's, it's like COVID-19. You keep it with your 401k, you keep it in your account, it's gonna spread to all the rest. And you're gonna wonder why it seems like you never have enough. Why I'm constantly running out of this. Why is this always happening? Because you've cursed everything. Not God, you did it. You did it. In order to steal, you have to deceive, just like adultery. We talked about this. You can't commit adultery without deceiving. You if you're gonna steal, you have to be deceptive. You have to put this way, you have to be stealthy. I should have had you put that word up there, but I didn't. Stealthy. I told you last week. I can see the root word in a lot of words. Stealthy. S-T-E-L S-T-E-A-A-L. S-T-E-A-L-T-H-Y. What's the root word? Steal. Steal. Listen, the United States military has to be stealthy. Thieves have to be stealthy. They have to fly under the radar. You have to be deceptive in order to be stealthy. And we learn to hide it. And when we do, we learn to operate just like Satan does in his territory, we do it in the darkness. We go right under the radar with it. It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. I've I've had people, uh, many times, I've heard this all the time, people, one of the things they they say, especially when you start hearing pastors talk about money, like the pastor's always talking about money. And listen, there are some pastors that are out out of balance with that. If you've been around for any length of time, you've probably seen it. You've either saw it in a YouTube video, you went to a church and saw it, you saw a televangelist, they are out there. They are out there. But I know people that will not tithe. They won't go to church because they're gonna be afraid to tithe, because they're gonna be afraid they're gonna ask to be tithed. Because they'll say, well, pastors are always, 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 every church, Every pastor out there is always talking about your money and asking you for more. That's like saying, well, I'm not going to go to church because there's hypocrites there. Well, you better not go to Target because there's hypocrites there too. Well, I'm not going to go to the doctor and get a physical because I read in the paper about some woman that did there. The doctor put her to sleep and he molested her. I can't go to the doctor anymore, but I got cancer. I mean, you hear me? Yes, there's abuse. There's abuse in every single occupation. There's abuse in and no, no matter where you go, there's gonna be somebody who's always going to abuse something. But do we stop obeying the Lord because we heard of one televangelist whose heart's in the wrong place and it's a money machine for him? Well, Lord, I'm just gonna I'm not I'm not gonna obey you because you allowed him to be a pastor and he's he's abusing people. So I'm just not gonna do what you told me to do. Do you see the silliness in this? The excuses that we'll use? Of course there's abuse out there. But guess what? Abusive people end up in church. It's a good place for them because hopefully they're gonna get healed. If we wait for everybody to be healed and fixed to come into church, there's no need for the church. That's our job is to identify, to hold to account, to disciple, to raise up and release. That's why we're here. So guess what? Just like everything else, we should have sexually broken people here. We should have people who are struggling with their sexual identity. We should have people who are liars and thieves. This is the only place they're gonna get healed. That's the only place they're going to get set free. Of course we want them here, as long as they don't stay that way. But you know what? If people choose to stay that way, you know what happens? They usually don't stick around for very long anyway. So you haven't even got to ask them to leave because they don't want to change. They just leave on their own. You with me? You with me? So what's the root of stealing? Basically, again, you just don't trust God to provide. Uh, when Achan, such an appropriate name when you consider what happened to him. When he took the bounty from Jericho, it was because he didn't trust God to provide for him. Uh, Yet God was providing him a a land of flowing milk and honey. That was the promise. He was about to get there. But he didn't trust God was going to bring him there, so he stole. And there's always consequences. As a matter of fact, Achan and his whole family paid the price for it, didn't they? They were all destroyed. They were all destroyed. There's many people who never enter into God's provision because they won't trust him. They won't trust him. They're gonna do it my way. And they think he's gonna take what they think belongs to them. But God's been wanting us to trust him since day one of creation. He, he wanted Adam and Eve to trust him. He said, you can have all these trees, but you can't have that one. But the enemy convinced them. But that's where all the fun is. Can't be happy with all this. You gotta have that one. That one right there. Cain and Abel. said, says, bring me the first fruits. Same thing. Bring me the first fruits. Bring me the firstborn. Don't wait till you have 10 sheep and then bring me the one you don't want. You bring me the first one. And of course, there's a whole principle of first as well as regarding Jesus being God's tithe. God gave his only son that whoever believes. There you go. There you go. It's okay to fill in the blanks when I do this, by the way. Bring all the silver and the gold from the first city in the Promised Land. When they went to the Promised Land, there were 10 cities they had to take. The first one. Was the only one God said, bring everything to me, every bit of it, all of it, every crumb, every morsel. Why? It was the first of ten. He was gonna let them keep all the other, the other nine. But Achan. And by the way, remember, remember I taught everything's a curse? Remember, his family paid the ultimate price. The whole camp paid a price. Because Moses said, Whoa, <laughs> what happened? And God said, Well, you had, He revealed, He said, You got somebody who took what's mine, and all the people paid for it. That's why I'm telling you, listen, when, when we steal the tithe, we steal the ability for people to be reached. And we live in a society, people say, Well, just, just share the gospel, just tell your story. Yes, that's part of it. But in our society, it still takes money to spread the gospel. Sorry, it's a fact. And when people rob, when they rob the church of their tithe, they keep that from happening. They keep that from happening. It's got got to be paid for somehow. Books have to be paid for somehow. Materials have to be paid for somehow. Giving away food and water has to be paid for somehow. It's it's, it's, It's got to come. It's got to come. Rise and walk. Here's some other things. Rise and walk. Leave the city. Follow the star. This is all faith. This is all about trust. Face that giant. Don't bow down. When there's lions and when there's fire, bring me the tithe before you pay your bills. First, you pay the tithe first, then your bills. That's the 10%. Trust me, I'll provide. This over and over and over again, this principle of trust isn't just about tithe. It's about everything that we do in our walk and our life with the Lord. There has to be a place where we trust first, where we sit there and say, irregardless of my circumstances, which are overwhelming. The lion is about to wrap his nice little pretty mouth around my head. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you. I, I, I just wonder how much further every one of us, including myself, would get if in those times when I just have to do it my way, if I, if I just waited a little bit longer, I could have entered into all the promise that God had for me. Each one of us, each one of us, Lord, I literally, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard people tell this story. I got down to that last day, we were out of everything. We had no food on the table and the kids were hungry and dun, 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 on the door and somebody was bringing something. But they had to wait to that last minute just when we thought God was just gonna be a day late and a dollar short. And then he brings Increase. It brings increase. Many Eastern cultures invoke the death penalty for stealing, but here's what I want to end with, I want to encourage you with. God implements restitution. Restitution. Listen, you can recover and you can be restored in this area of your life where you've ever distrusted God. Sin never has the last word if you'll change your mind if you change your heart. So uh, all the stuff I talked about shouldn't make any of us feel shamed and we shouldn't feel guilty. We should feel challenged to change our thinking because when I change my thinking, I'm gonna be restored and everything's gonna be recovered. But the Lord's waiting. He's asking, you gonna trust me? Are you gonna trust me? It all starts with repentance. You have to change your mind. Let me end with this one statement. Restitution, that word restitution comes from two words. I had to put this in here. One, to restore, means to literally restore something to its original condition. Original condition. Where were you before you got in trouble? Where where were you before the world started just coming apart? The second word has to do with removing the guilt and shame. Removing the guilt and shame. I want you to know if you've had a heart or, or a lifestyle of stealing even the little things, there's restoration for you. And I'm not saying you're unsaved right now. So then I, again, we're saved by grace and thank God we are. But the Lord is sitting there saying, if you struggle in this area and you'll literally change your thinking, I'm gonna restore, I'm gonna restore, I'm gonna I'm gonna rebuke the devourer. I put a post out there about a week ago about that. When when, when, When you return the tithe, when you give to God anything that belongs back to him, okay, he rebukes the devourer and he restores. He rebukes and he restores. Would you stand up with me? In sermon number one today, <laughs> I talked about the lies and the places that we need to be set free in. And of course today, you know what, in the second message, we just talked about that. Uh, please, if, if there is any doubt in your mind at all about your relationship with the Lord, don't. Don't leave here with any doubt today. And I understand if, if some of you are shy and you're like, well, gosh, I just don't want to go up front. Then turn to the person that you came with, and tell them, I, "I think I want to I want to start afresh." And it's so easy; just let that person know, okay? And that person can pray with you if they're comfortable. If they want, if they don't want to, they can kind of sneak you off to the side as we're walking around talking to each other. But get get your heart right with the Lord today. And if you are saved, but you believed lies about your identity, or if you realize, Lord, I've been, I've been working the system as tight as white is on rice to get everything I can. Because I don't tr- I've never trusted you. I've never put myself in that place to trust you. But you want to do. Then so let somebody pray with you. And again, like I said last week, a lot of times when I do this, people think, well, I can't go up front now because everybody's gonna know. Listen, we're praying for everything. So if you need healing for anything, all right? uh, Students, you just want somebody to pray extra with you for this coming year that the Lord's just gonna bless you in your studies. Great. Marriage relationships, any kind of relationships. People that you know that are unsaved and you you basically just wanna intercede for them that they'll get saved. Come up and let somebody pray for you. It breaks my heart when, when each week we provide somebody to pray and then I find out later on somebody just said, well, I didn't go up for prayer because well, I just didn't want to. And it's sort of like, well, you have not because you asked not. This isn't about a, hey, let's look at everybody that's going up front. This is about an opportunity for you to receive blessing. This is family here. This is what family does. And when family is struggling then we let other people, family, family know, hey, I'm sick in this area. I'm struggling in this area. Can you walk with me in this? This is what this is about. It's about walking with you. This isn't about, this isn't about identifying and having people wear scarlet letters. This is about freedom. This is about change. This is about healing. This is about deliverance and bad thinking, okay? So let somebody come pray with you. So I'm, gonna, I'm gonna lead this out. and Those who are gonna be praying, if you would come up front right now. Father, I just pray for everybody who's watching online or who listened to this message. Lord, if there's any lie that the enemy has placed in anybody's mind to make them feel shamed or condemned, I come against that lie in the name of Jesus. Your word is truth and it brings freedom. And that's all we've done here today is share truth. And Lord, I know that you beckon every one of us, no matter what our deepest point of need is, to come back to you to change the polarity of our heart, to change our thinking and allow you to restore, to restore and redeem. Because that's what you are. You are our redeemer. And Lord, you don't just make things better. You make them better than they were because that's just what you do. That's who you are. So Father, I pray for everybody in this room right now that each one with their deepest point of need, Father, that they will hear you, they will receive you, they will learn to trust you as a provider for everything in their life, everything in their life because you know the plans that you have for them. And they're not to harm them. They're to prosper them. Oh, that's what we're looking for looking for your blessing in all areas of our life. That's what that word peace in the Bible means. It means a well-being in all areas. It's a complete wholeness of everything. And Lord, that's what we want to walk in. You said it's available to us. You've made it available to us. We just have to ask and receive. We have to learn how to put our hands out to be a receiver of your blessing. So Father, I pray for that in, in your name, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church.